0: Anything that's going to be biostimulating is going to be some version of a controlled injury.
1: Uh, and so what we're
0: doing is stimulating a remodeling process that that takes peri- place over a period of, of weeks or months. And I liken it to what we're trying to do for our muscles with strength and resistance training. We want to cause that micro-injury to sure. so grow back bigger and stronger. Right. Micro-injury yeah. is our goal, in fact. Yeah, so.
1: Welcome to the Doctor Gill Show. This is where we talk about medical matters that matter to you. My guest today is Austin Bell Isle. Welcome to the show, Austin.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: The name of your spa is Lumia Inc. Yes. You have a website, and we will put that uh, link in the in the description so everybody can look you up. Okay. <laughs> um, clearly, your your skill sets before going to this are perfectly suited for this. Um, CRNAs for for those that. Don't know, anesthesia in hospitals now typically is supervised by an anesthesiologist, one doctor, but generally they have a handful of rooms going. And who's actually running the room and doing the anesthesia is the CRNA. So there's always the doctor there in case of an emergency, but the boots on the ground are the CRNAs. So you're putting in IVs, like you mentioned, all these procedures that require precision, needles, high tech, and whatnot. So, you were already wonderfully trained just for some additional subspecialty courses and whatnot mm-hmm. to be able to go into beauty and facial aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about some of the things you do uh, that improve beauty. Now, before we do, I just want to mention that standards of beauty have changed over time, they're different between cultures. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there is a bias for youth here in the United States. Sure. Maybe a bias everywhere. So, I don't want to give the impression right off the bat that we are against aging gracefully. Not at all. We're not against some crow's feet. I know in the Aboriginal societies in Australia, as soon as a man gets a couple gray hairs, he can be 25, they grow out their beard because they want to show a couple grays, mm-hmm. which goes along with uh, wisdom. So, it's not a prejudice against aging, but certainly there are things that we find healthy and attractive, glowing skin, mm-hmm. symmetry. I don't know anybody that finds, or maybe in some old cultures, but that finds scars or burns or deformities of the skin or acne marks to be attractive. So there's certainly a role in almost any society or, or standard of beauty to treat defects of the skin, which are primarily seen on the face, aren't mm-hmm. they? Aren't they? So, I just want to make it clear that I'm, we're not ageist. We're not against aging, but we're certainly uh, very cognizant that people are very self-conscious about how they look, aren't they?
0: Sometimes, yeah. Uh, I, I think that I think that the most Important role that medical aesthetics can have in in someone's journey isn't to it isn't to deny or um, or push away or stigmatize the process of aging. Um, I I think it's just to help people retain confidence as yeah. they journey through that aging process.
1: Yeah, there's confidence. Yeah, I think I told you I had a little bump taken off my nose. Has left a little scar there, and I was very self conscious about that when it first happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as a guy, uh, maybe I can have some scars, and you know, always hear that that stereotype: chicks dig scars, you know. <laughs> but I really have met met any have yet to meet a a guy that says, "Gee, she's beautiful. Look at her. Look at her scar." Right?
0: <laughs> so, I think scars can be beautiful, but yes, and it is different when they're on your face. You know, in most, yeah. In some cultures, of course, faces are covered up, but for for the most part, you know, most cultures have exposure of the face. It's the only part of our body that we can't really stylize mm. or accessorize in the same way that we that we can with you know garments or you know other, right. other things that distract and conceal and things like that your face is your face it's out there and it's part of how we connect with people
1: yeah it certainly is so you have some, what, we, what you were calling bread and butter procedures, things that occupy most of your time. Mm-hmm. So let's jump right in on, I think what you said was number one was Botox injections.
0: Yes. So you can tell,
1: what, what is Botox, Austin?
0: So, Botox is a proprietary name, it's a brand name, it's one of five neuromodulators that are currently available in the US market for aesthetic purposes. Um, the other four, so there are Botox, your and Dysport, and Daxify is the newest one. But these are all forms of botulinum A. So, they, you'll hear me use the words neurotoxin, neuromodulator tox interchangeably in an effort to be generic in speech toward this whole category of medications that all contain the same active ingredient and they all have the same mechanism of action, which is to temporarily de- decrease the contractility of skeletal muscle.
1: So it comes from botulism A, a mm-hmm. which botulism is a horrible disease. You eat something that's been tinned improperly. Mm-hmm. This anaerobic tell me if I'm wrong this anaerobic bacteria grows in there secretes this toxin mm-hmm. and it's so powerful if you were to consume it it can paralyze you and kill you is that true
0: that is true
1: I remembered that correctly you did but in small doses mm-hmm. you can do special things with it via injection can't you
0: right well the difference between any any pharmaceutical right what is medication versus what is poison dose mm. that's all it is with anything. Every, mm. Almost everything we use has the potential for you know fatality if it's used improperly.
1: Including water.
0: Sure. Exactly. It's rare, but it happens. It My kids happen. just asked me about that last week. <laughs> 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 Is that possible? Yes.
1: <laughs> so what are the various things that you can treat with blood? With- I'll call it Botox. It's yeah, the only absolutely. word I know with Botox yeah. injections. What are the various things that you can treat that patients come to you for?
0: Well, when, when we're talking about temporary relaxation of muscles, and what I do is primarily in the face, so we'll, we'll talk about that just to keep things simple. The two things that we can do with botulinum toxin is um, to, we can decrease the appearance and progression of static lines or rightids. Um, and we can play with vectors in the face. So,
1: Ooh.
0: Yeah, yes, wow. this, is the, this is where the nerdy artsy thing comes Love in. Love so, it. Yeah. So we, regardless of product, we're not erasing wrinkles. We're decreasing the contractility of the muscle that underlies the skin. And we want to be very mindful and very thoughtful about how, where we're, where we're relaxing that to what extent all, you know, and, and how the, the relationships of the surrounding muscles um you know have interplay with that but what we're doing when we create that relaxation we decrease the skin folding we have the same expressive movement which as as you know in your specialty we have expressive movement even when we're in utero right that's that's uh, when our facial musculature begins to so develop you don't
1: lose expressive
0: no you don't
1: have to uh, <laughs> so let me make sure i'm understanding this correctly mm. so the wrinkle doesn't go away, but but by relaxing it, is that what they say in the commercials, the appearance of wrinkles? Yes. Aha.
0: So you will see a decrease in that righted or wrinkle, but what we're doing isn't, we're not zapping a wrinkle and making it go away. We're effectively buying more time for your skin to spend in that healing and smoothing phase because that repetitive skin folding, right? Even, you know, it's the same expressive movement you've had your entire existence but at some point our collagen breakdown surpasses our collagen regeneration and for some and that's when we begin to see our first static lines in those repeti- those areas of repetitive skin folding ah. yeah so for some people it's in their early 20s for some people they're well into their 40s a lot of it really is just i mean there are environmental factors and things like that but a lot of it's luck of the draw of the collagen card so ah. what we we're, we're doing when we relax that muscle movement is we can still have expressive movement, ideally, in my opinion, but we decrease the degree to which that skin is is folding. And so it gets more time to rest and smooth and restore.
1: And it will. It, it will. will. Ah, I had, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I'm already learning so much for you, so <laughs> please go on.
0: Well, um, we can expect, you know, with aesthetic injections, we can expect the duration of action to last typically about three months. And so, once, that, once you return to your baseline motor movement, the same dynamics that we're creating that line to begin with will be back in play, and that line will either reappear or it will continue to progress. But if you get treatments regularly, and how I always tell my clients how frequently you get injections is entirely up to you. Most people come to see me every three, for three or four months. Because that's what they're happy with. Is that um,
1: usual as I was recommended? That's
0: typical, but I do have people that see me every six months. And I always say ah. or, or, or once a year. For a lot of people, it's their it's their birthday gift to themselves. And I'm honored to be part of the return of their that's nice. you know, the celebration of their solar return. Um, oh. and you know, they um, if if of those six months or twelve months, three to four of those months, you have diminished movement. You're going to have smoothing of those lines, and if you decide to stop receiving treatment anytime, nothing bad happens. Nothing collapses. You just revert to your baseline motor movement. But the muscles ah. in our in our face are just like muscles anywhere else. When they're prevented from exercising, they atrophy. Um, they decrease in their size and and bulk. Ah. And uh, they and when they're allowed to exercise repetitively, they hypertrophy. They grow stronger. So you know it also It can also, you know, affect the contour and ridges and things like that, that sometimes we see as a process of aging. For example, many people have very prominent corrugators here. And so as those, Um. if they age and these muscles get bigger, they'll kind of get that ridginess, right?
1: How about those hatchet lines? Is that part of that?
0: Yeah, those are those are the results. So this this aspect of our forehead here is called the glabellar complex. It's comprised of three muscles. We have a procerus that pulls our brows down and a corrugator on each side that pulls our brows together.
1: Oh, it's the corrugator, yeah. which that may be. Yeah,
0: and that's what brought me to aesthetics as a patient about four years ago. Um, because I had 11s. I was in my early 30s, and I had 11s, and I was trying to figure out like the magical topical solution to not having 11s because um, they, they, it, you can have, I think, and I think this is really the crux of it for a lot of people, and this is the reason why if I could only treat one area with injectables for myself or for other people, it would be right here because to me, there's a wellness component. Um, when we form those etched lines, okay. right? So when we're not actively doing this, but we see those static lines that are staying, those can signal emotional feelings that don't match what what we're experiencing inside. So they can give us the appearance of being tired or angry or frustrated when we're not. And I do think that women, speaking as a woman, Mm -hmm. uh, women have, I think, a lower threshold for that. You mentioned some, some differences in gender and perception and society and culture. And um, I think that we have a much lower threshold of, of acceptance for women expressing negative emotions on their face. And so we, we, you get to a point in that aging process where you have these vertical lines, which is just what I was predisposed to through my muscular anatomy. Some people uh-huh. don't. You know, Some people, their, their prosthetic lines are up here. Um, it's, it's really just what is your facial musculature. And so when you have that people start asking what's wrong are you okay are you mad what's you know what's going on
1: i'm afraid and to you're say fine. it i'm afraid yeah. to, i'm gonna do it do it resting bitch face yes
0: thanks to RBF. The internet. yeah tell me is that part of rbf <laughs> rbf yes that is part of rbf another so another aspect of rbf um is is a set of muscles in the lower face So, in the, this kind of goes into what I was saying with vectors. So, the two, we can stop skin folding. We can also play with vectors in the face. The muscles in our face are like muscles anywhere else, they have muscles in which they work in cooperation and in opposition. So, we can play with those relationships. Gotcha. So, in the lower face, for example, we have, and every muscle has an origin and insertion. Mm-hmm. As we grow older, our muscles get a little tighter, a little shorter. They, you know, The distance between the origin and insertion of those muscles becomes a little smaller. Okay. And so for in our lower face, there is a band of tissue on each side, a muscle called the depressor anguli oris. Um, and it help, It pulls the corners of the mouth down like this, and no one walks around going <laughs> but,
1: except trumpet players. I know all of them because I, I try to make them bigger, yeah, and stronger. Exactly. Yeah, and that's part of it. And
0: and and as with trumpet players, as I recall from watching them, um, they also do a lot of flexion here in their mentalis, which is the only thing that goes up in our face because it's origin is up here. So as we age, it goes. And a lot of people get that defined mental crease. But these muscles work together. So when these guys are pulling down, this guy's pulling up, yes. the corners of our mouth pull down. And then we look sad when we're My. really just neutral. And that's part of RBF as well.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: And when we decrease the resting tone of these guys, it lets the resting tone of the muscles in our mid face and our upper face, our rhizorus and the other muscles that, you know, help elevate. Ah. If we allow that resting tone of the levators in the face to override, then Lighter.
1: I can feel already. And these can mm-hmm. be subtle, like a millimeter, right? Yes. We pick Needle, up on,
0: needles achieve millimeters. If you need centimeters, that's a surgical solution. Because
1: mm-hmm. we are so perceptive of these subtle little things. Mm-hmm. I know in, a, in reproduction, the subtlest changes of the face and the cheeks can signal fertility and whatnot.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah. I, it's I'm,
1: crazy. I, I'm aware of this from my angle of things. So what are the targets on the face that usually you can address to give a, let's say, a happier appearance, for lack of a better description?
0: I would say the biggest highlights, if, some, if someone comes, I always, I always approach the conversation about aesthetic care of what are your concerns? Because if you come to me with a clinical concern, I will return with a clinical solution or potentially more than one solution. And if it's something that's outside my field of expertise, then I will refer it out to the appropriate medical professional. Um, so I always want to know first what is someone's concern um, because I want the conversation to be very targeted to what their concerns
1: are. And you want it's to be re- very personal. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. you want to be realistic too. Absolutely. I'm sure somebody comes in. And and they like body dysmorphia. Like, like, look how fat I am, (laughs) right? And they have unreal, unrealistic. uh, Right. So you sometimes have to give them maybe a a second opinion. Like, gee, you look beautiful, or that's not such a problem. Sure. Does that happen very often? You have to give them a little reality check, or I think more often
0: than not, I think it's not it's not frequent that I and I do I do screen for that because I. If someone is struggling with dysmorphic thought processes, I do not want to enable that or indulge that because that's not in their best interest. But and that's, you know, on the far end of the spectrum, right? right. We're dealing with, you know, significant struggle there versus people that just need to be a little bit more kind to themselves. Most people are very hypercritical of their appearance. And yeah, and again, it's it's really just about, it's really just about confidence. Um, So I never want to diminish somebody's concerns, but also I don't, I never want to be predatory about right this is how this is how i put bread on the table right but this isn't a transaction to me it's it is medical care and i never want to be predatory about saying oh yes this is your insecurity and let's just go down this rabbit hole
1: right i
0: really want to be able and every again it's so personal everybody has different things you know procedure wise that they're comfortable with they're open to Mm. everyone has a different budget i always want to be very respectful of of all of those factors And um, be a good steward of the trust they're placing in my hands and also whatever their dollar spend is. So I would say that far more often than not, people, their primary concerns that they'll come to me with are, um, the preventive care, right? They're on the and that is that is a difference with with Gen Z. Their Gen Z is here for it. They have removed the stigma and shame of any kind of injectable practice. They're like, I like the way I look, and I would like to stay looking more like that. Okay. Um, and and then you know my elder millennials, my Gen X, my Boomer clients. Um, it, it's a little bit different for us. And I'm, I'm right there on the threshold of, of Gen X and millennial myself. And I, I would say that culturally, that's, it's, it's a very different experience. Um, but then they're, they're wanting to to turn things back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's, it's key. It's maintenance. It's keeping things the way they are um, and enhancing confidence. And, you know, also being able to feel lighter and brighter and rested. Because when people are aging into, you know, their fourth, fifth decade of life, that's what they keep hearing a lot of is I look tired. I feel like I look tired. I yeah. look old. So if someone says they want to look less tired, I would say the top, you know, maybe three things that we would consider is glabellar Botox here. Okay. Um, we can also play with opening, again, vectors in the face. Orbicularis oculi is the muscle that goes all the way around our eye. Okay. And so when we treat it under here and under here and over here, it's under eye and crow's feet. And so we can do that. But we can also treat it on the top side and block this directional pull. And so we can subtly, gently elevate the brow which can ah. be really helpful in terms of increasing appearance of brightness yeah. as we, yeah we get that matte tired accuracy. look i can see that yeah yeah my and first same with this guy cuz <laughs> it pulls it down so if i could just pick if someone says i want to look less tired here and here
1: boom ah uh, mm-hmm. i knew i was getting older when people started calling me sir random stranger <laughs> i'll take that i'll hold that door for you sir or yeah. hello sir how are you sir it's like yeah. whoa where'd that come from
0: yeah and some people really get upset about that those which are just signs of respect and some people. Sure. sorry i touched my mic there um and some people really get upset about that but i think that when people are sensitive to it it's coming from a place of of their own personal insecurity and self, yeah. self-criticism of how, how do I look? What does that say about how I look? And really, it's just people being respectful.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned the orbicularis oris. Or was, was that the not orbicularis? Oculi. About, yeah, oculus. we do that uh, one too. <laughs> I, so around the eye here, uh-huh? seems to me if you were inaccurate with your needle, mm-hmm. or you put too much or it drifted, you could get into the muscle of the eye for blinking, right?
0: You, yeah, you could. You have to be well, very. You have to be very precise and oh very boy. aware of where the end of your needle is. Yeah, because you you want it to be in a very specific specific muscle. So you want to be in the right location. You mm. want to be in the right depth. You want to have the correct dosage, because yeah, you don't want it to spread to a rectus muscle uh, or to Mueller's muscle that controls the tarsal plate. So.
1: Yep. Oh, boy, this sounds very complicated, <laughs> Austin. I can see we're having, or this is so operator-dependent. It's mm-hmm. not the Botox, it's the, it's the injector, mm-hmm. the experienced one doing this. Oh, my goodness. So we've got this, I'm learning so much from you. You've got this glabellar area, area, mm-hmm. and what'd you call this part?
0: This is obicularis oculi. Orbicularis oculi.
1: Mm-hmm. And where would be your third most common target on the face?
0: I would say really what people ask for, third most common, would be up here. Again, I want to The a horizontal. Yes, you, and that's frontalis. Frontalis. Mm-hmm. So you
1: can ease those up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've seen enough. I won't name the Hollywood people or the singers, <laughs> uh, Manolo and... Uh, uh, with Kenny Rogers, I mean, their, their forehead looks like it's this big, smooth, shiny dome. There's not... a little much. It's a little much, <laughs> a little much mm-hmm. right? So you can do something that's a little more natural looking.
0: There's and as in most things in life, there's a spectrum. And, you know, I believe very much that people should, these are all stylistic choices. So okay. people should make the choices that are best for them. They should appear the way they want to appear. Sure. Um, and if Kenny Rogers feels like his best self with that glass smooth forehead, then good for him. Good for him. I mean, power I mean, to him. But, I mean, I love Kenny. I don't want to get. Yeah, wrong. I love yeah, Kenny. Who right. doesn't love Kenny Harry's Rogers? Talented man, uh, but yeah, I think most men are not really looking for that. In fact, when I consult yeah. with with male clients, I again, I want to want to know what are they looking for. My personal preference for men is to have a little bit more line formation, and I and and I think most people agree. But I want to see what their goal is, what mm. they're looking for, and even for women, you know, again we're playing with with muscles in the face, so at some point, and if we if we block our our contraction power frontalis, it's a fine line between being able to smooth these lines and decreasing your lifting ability. Okay. Frontalis, right? And so okay. if your primary concern is brow ptosis, which happens as a part of aging. Ptosis and, is a
1: drooping kind mm-hmm. of Okay. And it
0: can be and it be, can be caused iotrogenically, but it can also just happen naturally, right? Because things things sag, we lose elasticity in the skin. Yeah. So if someone's primary concern is that and they're, you know, they're re, I can tell that even in their resting state and even in conversation, they're constantly engaging their frontalis. I'm always relieved if their primary concern is not these horizontal lines and/or if they're willing to forego that. Because I okay. think at a certain point in our aging journey, it does look very odd to have that glass smooth forehead. And if you are, you know, a vibrant grandmother who just wants to look fresh, ah. it's okay to have some lines there. And we're better off not you know, sacrificing the open appearance around the eyes in favor of having that smooth forehead.
1: So you can approach this in, this in a stepwise manner. Sure, Kind yeah. of ease into it.
0: Exactly. Now
1: the final thing here is um, these lines, what are these called down here? Those
0: are called nasolabial folds. Nas- I'm starting to get
1: those, uh-huh. Austin. Yes. Can you work on those?
0: We can, that's a job for filler. So Ah, naso- perfect
1: segue. <laughs> yeah. no, no, actually, before we get to filler, yeah. I, I want to uh, put a finer point on this. Botox injections are used for other things other than mm-hmm. aesthetics. Aren't they used for for migraines? Yes. Muscles that contract or what were called dystonias that yes. you can't control. Do you do any work with those? I
0: do not. Uh, that that is outside my field of clinical expertise as an aesthetic provider. Okay. Um, and so if somebody, in fact, sometimes I, I do have clients that that get neurotoxin injections for migraines and there is some overlap in those injection points like in the scalp for example so i will always advise those people to coordinate their their schedule with me because they may need fewer units in their face to achieve their aesthetic goal Uh and go go get your insured (laughs) <laughs> treatment done by right. your neurologist or whoever is managing your migraine care okay. and then I can do your your aesthetic dosing same with dystonia and things like that so that that is outside my field of clinical expertise and but, I will refer it
1: out and but you would take that into account and maybe adjust maybe use a little less
0: ideally yes I, I will say, advise them on that because again keep dollars in your pocket I want you to be able to get the result you're looking for with the fewest number of units that I think will achieve that result and if you sure. have another clinician administering string units that are going to have some overlap, you know, say in your forehead, for example, by all means, let's time it appropriately so that we don't, we're not using as many and you can get a better result.
1: Fantastic. So now let's talk about fillers. Tell me, what are fillers?
0: Uh, Fillers are another category of injectable that are, they occupy space. And volume; it's a volume-based dosage rather than unit, right? It, it's a it's it is a pharmaceutical, um, but typically a, a filler is referred to in syringes. Most filler products, a syringe is one milliliter of volume. There's a little bit of variation there. That but makes sense. Speaking one syringe, that's one an easy millimeter. number to work yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole world of filler. There's no one filler that's, you know, the best at at everything. It's about using. The right product in the right anatomical location in the right tissue plane to achieve the desired goal, a result. Um, all filler products are going to have a degree of strength versus flexibility. So ah. yeah, so because what we're trying to do is mimic tissue. And we ah. we what we're addressing, the clinical concern that we're addressing with filler is volume loss. Um, filler can be used to create structure or contour that was never there in the first place, say to enhance or amplify a chin or a cheekbone for someone who never ah. had a particularly strong chin or cheekbone. But in in my personal opinion, filler at its best is just keeping your anatomy where you're used to seeing it. As you go through this aging process and we lose lo- we lose elasticity in our skin... We're, we're also losing volume in our muscle, in our bone, in our fat pad. Ah. And
1: so if
0: we offset those volume losses with an appropriate filler product that's designed to mimic a given tissue, right? Mm-hmm. And right. again, different tissue, different tissue planes, different products are appropriate. But if we can offset that volume loss, we're keeping our facial anatomy closer to where we're used to seeing it. Um, so to your to your question of nasolabial fold, so there's this line, nasolabial fold, and then oftentimes that will connect with this line here, the right. marionette line. And marionette, yeah, yes, yeah, right, yeah, so the mouth the looks, looks separate. Yep, yep, yep. And so sometimes that's what that, everyone has a different threshold where they're like, I would like professional help now, please. And so sometimes it's, I have nasolabial folds and I don't like them, please help so that and put botox there and that's not a job for botox now Uh, some of that line progression is is facilitated by that muscle tone that we were talking about so if someone's going to invest in filler for these areas i do advise using a small amount of neurotoxin to help preserve that investment change
1: a vector Mm -hmm. so you can fill and adjust the vector and get the desired result
0: exactly you're tracking
1: all right, so if a woman never had cheek bumps, mm-hmm. big, big cheeks, mm-hmm. is that the and then wants them, mm-hmm. is that the role for an implant, an actual implant that's not gonna go away? And, or can you create cheeks where there weren't any with an injection?
0: That, that is a great question. Um, either of those modalities can be used to enhance cheek that was never there. Say a woman who is 22 and has had no facial volume loss to speak of, wants to have more defined cheekbones, Um, you know, either laterally or anteriorly, you can do that with filler. Um, You know, a a surgeon is, and I always want to be realistic about that too, because when someone starts looking at an investment in injectables, that's approaching the cost of a surgical solution that's going to be, more definitive and longer lasting. I want to make sure they're aware of that because I always want people to walk away from their clinical experience with me feeling like it was a good value. Um, so, you know, a a surgeon is going to have a whole other set of tools in their bag. Um, and so yes, you're going to have a longer term solution with a cheek implant, but the process of aging is still going to occur even if you have that cheek, and that's true of you know, any implant, right? Even sure. breast augmentation. Right. I think typically plastic surgeons will tell you has a lifetime of about 20 years, and then you're gonna age around it to a point that you need you need to re-up, right? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs>
1: so. And we had our breast surgeon here last month, mm-hmm. Dr. Kincannon telling us about uh, this. Yes. yes. Yeah. Right, right, so tell me more about fillers. So where I so say you can fill in a nasolabial marionette line where else might you fill in the face?
0: So I panfacial filler is, I think, a beautiful approach to facial balancing. Um, you can fill in that line, but I always explain that this line is a, it is not the root cause. It's a, it's a symptom, it's a result. It's resulted from volume loss. Uh. So we can go in and fill that line, but if we've done nothing to address the volume losses here and here and here, all we've done is put a little band aid on it. Ah, you keep having a folding. F-
1: fill out everything. Yes. Oh. And, I, and I have had
0: people who've had that experience where they've they've had an experience with injectables, and then they've come to me and they've said, "Well, now I just have these ropes of filler here," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's right." If you just go there, that's what's going to that's what's going to happen. So it's I I prefer to generally speaking work. Work superior to inferior. Okay. Tissue planes work deep to superficial and work posterior to anterior. Because what we want to do is kind of support and lift and pull. What happens when we're losing volume here and here and here is we get this rotational shift of our cheek anatomy. Huh. And that's where we get that folding
1: and i also
0: find that it's not so much that line that's bothering people it's the shadow and if we can support the tissue here and here and here and get and allow these areas to catch light again instead of shadow then it's more effective than just filling in that line because it's really the contour and again to your point we're very it may be unconscious but we are as humans very perceptive to those tiny millimeters of difference even if we can't even if someone can't quantify oh this is the you can because it's what you do but this is the facial appearance this is the skin quality this is the amount of facial flushing that indicates fertility right we're subconsciously aware of that and we find it we find it attractive and captivating
1: we really do and and as with almost every professional we've had here on this podcast Austin You, you are Further con- confirming that it takes an expert, somebody that does this all the time, and also you're confirming you want to go with somebody that's busy, that's not pushing something or other, mm-hmm. and it's usually pushing for the minimum treatment for the maximum results. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, just, it it's just it's just it's about true with life, you know. It just yeah. it's true with every field of medicine. So are there any areas of a filler that we've not yet talked about. Once again, you primarily face mm-hmm. You're not doing boobs or mm-hmm. butts or and, and, and,
0: occasionally, occasionally high knees, yeah. Fillers occasionally and, high knees. High knees, yep. Yeah. Um, is that a low
1: risk area where you it, feel comfortable going?
0: It is because we're working very superficially, um, and you know, high knees have a lot have a lot of fat. You know, um, when I'm working, there are with filler, there are a couple different approaches. I can use needle, and I can use cannula. I can use a blunt tip cannula. Please, so, please
1: explain that. Oh, okay. Okay, I love cannula work.
0: Um, So I moved into cannula pretty quickly. I think for me, it was pretty intuitive just because of my anesthesia background. So what we're doing is basically creating a space for a cannula to live. And from a single access point, we can um, go, you, you know, depending on the length of the cannula, I can move two or three inches, you know, in radius in, in a tissue
1: plane. So and a cannula is can a tube. We're down. not talking about a little needle now. We're talking about a real tube. It looks a lot like a needle. I always it's a big-ass it needle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> I, morticians yeah. use these right. to I show drain to the body. Yeah. When
0: it's still in, it's sterile. Well, and you know cannula can come in all. I, so well, I, I mean, want to
1: explain for the audience here what yes. we're talking about. So
0: morticians are draining bodies with what? What's <laughs> the cannula? You- a four? I don't know. Whatever. So huge, Big. <laughs> right. Um, when I use cannulas, I am using a 22 or a 25 gauge cannula. So when I'm using needles for reference, um, I'm using a 27 to a 31 gauge needle. Right. And so the the as the gauge number goes up, the size of the needle is small. So a 31 gauge needle, I tell people, is the size of a coarse hair.
1: Of coarse hair. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So a pen like this, this is something like a four or a five, right? Oh, yeah. This would at be least. this would be big. So when you're talking about mm-hmm. a cannula, are you talking something about this size?
0: No. Goodness.
1: Even no. smaller than this?
0: Much, much smaller. Oh, than I was thinking that.
1: cannula. I was yeah. thinking a, a big hose you're putting in there, uh, filling out a hiney <laughs> oh, no, no, with no, a no, big, no, big, big no, pocket. No, so, that that so sounds like scary than back alley stuff. So smaller <laughs> than a pen. Okay. Right. It, it,
0: very, very small. Um, okay. And what I can do with the cannula is through a single access point, and it's blunt on the end, which is which is important. When we're talking about filler, it's very there is always a there is an ever present. It's rare, it's remote, it's generally avoidable with safe injection practice and good knowledge of anatomy and vasculature. Uh-huh. But there's always a risk of vascular occlusion when we're injecting dermal filler. So filler can go into an artery or vein that can comprise it can block a blood muscle. vessel. Yep. It can
1: block a blood vessel, right?
0: Which then leads to Tissue damage, necrosis
1: doesn't sound good.
0: No, and it's reversible with with an enzyme called hyaluronidase. But uh-huh. it's best to avoid it altogether. Sure. Um, a cannula is blunt at the end, so you are much less likely to get into a vessel. So you, it
1: pushes them out of the it way. It pushes it out of the in way. In fact, I use blunt trocars to get in the abdomen. Yes. And it'll just push a vessel out of the way if right. we're if we're doing it right.
0: Right. If you're so, approaching it slowly enough, so, you're so not do you have to make
1: the do you have to make a little nick in the skin with a scalp So you take a real pointy scalpel i take Make a little a, needle and do it even a little which is a sharp <laughs> little and then you can get the cannula in mm-hmm. through that tiny little puncture yeah. okay
0: and, and in the case of hynees, i can use that cannula to dis- subsize and break up adhesions and tethering and then fill it in because a lot of times people's concern with their heinie is now i don't when people want a result with injectables that basically they want a a significant augmentation of their rear end, I will refer that out because it's unrealistic for someone to essentially want a surgical result with injectables and or it, it would take so, again, we're talking about milliliters at a time. We're talking about volume.
1: We're talking about someone tens need, or hundreds of right. milliliters for if a honey
0: Yes, if someone needs right. 250, 500 milliliters volume difference in their rear end, they need to go see a surgeon. I right. don't even if they were willing to. I don't want them to yeah. spend that much money on injectables with me. It's not right. in their best interest. So, um, but we can use that cannula to subsize the the tethering the. That um, you know results in cellulite and that dimpled appearance.
1: Is so that what cellulite have, is? Yeah. So yeah. tethering means to connect mm-hmm. or tie things to. So that's these these little fibers, I guess, creating that that dimply. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's why even very lean people can have cellulite, right? Even ah, if they don't have a lot of adipose,
1: they just have tethering. very fibrous
0: tethering.
1: So you can break those up with mm-hmm. a cannula. Mm-hmm. Now, these fillers, don't they eventually absorb? Or, or For the are, most part. Are there permanent fillers you can inject that don't go anywhere?
0: There are permanent fillers that are used by plastic surgeons in in reconstruction. That, those are not products that I use. I right. use hyaluronic acid-based fillers.
1: And they eventually dissolve Yes. with the normal body enzymes and fluids and right. whatnot.
0: Because hyaluronic acid is a naturally occurring Substance in our body as is hyaluronidase the the enzyme that breaks it down. Uh, so Yeah, it's it's just very extensive sugar gel
1: I see mm-hmm. so if someone has a, a defect So if someone had you mentioned they have cords here So eventually those would dissolve if 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 it's excessive or not put in properly or lumpy or cordy You can expect that to, to get better perhaps
0: e- eventually but we tend things filler will dissolve when it's injected into an area that has a lot of movement and this is actually there's a lot of folding here but there's not a lot of movement and so this is actually an area that it can that's why you you don't want to just completely efface that fold by just injecting into it because then you're just going to end up with a lump of filler that doesn't really dissolve in a natural fashion you'll continue to age and lose elasticity and volume around it and that's going to stay um, and then another, you asked other areas of, of filler. Um, I love a chin enhancement. And a lot of a, a lot of people have perioral lines that they're yeah. concerned about. Right. So I can address those with filler um, and lips as well. Tell and, me about lips because we see <laughs> these
1: puffy lips. Um, yeah, A little puffy lip is generally attractive to most people. But what about people with very, very thin lips? What can you do that does not look? Artificial or obviously,
0: yeah, abnormal. Right, right product, right volume, right tissue plane for the right mm. tissue. Um, and I, I myself had a lot of misconceptions about filler before I became an injector because I didn't have exposure as a consumer to filler. And it, what, like I said, I, I got, I got Botox in my forehead, and that was, that was the end of my experience. And I could okay. only recognize dermal filler when it was. Poorly placed, right? Yeah. Pillow face, duck lips. Pillow that, face, duck lips. Then I lift. can say, oh, that person has filler. Yep. Yep. But it doesn't need to look like that. Um, and you can, And I always, you know, I'm, I explain to my clients that I'm always going to be working within the confines of their anatomy. And so when we're talking about lip enhancements, I, I have a very um, focused discussion with them about top to bottom lip ratio, definition in the cupid's bow, what they're looking for in terms of volume versus hydration, uh, so that I can do my best to create something that's in line with the the vision they have for themselves. Is this the but cupid's
1: bow here? This? Yes. Thank that, okay. okay. <laughs> I am learning so much. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, really, keeping things keeping things natural in appearance is is what that's that's my that's my personal preference. That's my aesthetic. I can do a statement lip, no problem. But if somebody wants... What does that mean, statement lip? (laughs) Something that looks, you know, like you can't... It's very... When you see a lip that you're like, it's very unlikely that that is naturally occurring.
1: Making a statement. Okay. Sure. Okay.
0: You know, and I, I can do that. But if someone wants a very, very glamorized... Um, what we might think of stereotypically as LA or Miami or that's yeah, so exactly what i yeah, that very glamorized look. I'm going to refer that out because that's that's not what I do best, right? There, there is some you know stylistic choice there, and I'm always working toward my client's goal. Uh-huh. But if somebody is wanting that very glamorized, very extreme appearance. Um, that's, I, am never going to be the best clinician to provide that because that's just not, that's not where my aesthetic yep. preference lies.
1: Go to LA. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. what they do. Yeah. So we've got skin that may be getting, well, you, well, you, you tell me, do you do things called peels? Are there you, things you can do to essentially resurface the skin in the face? Tell me what? What, what what are you treating and how do you do it? Okay,
0: um, I primarily the three categories of, you know, kind of things that w- I would fall under, skin resurfacing or biostimulating procedures. So we do things that are not injectables, right? And I love anything that's biostimulating because that's your own tissue, it's your own skin, you get to keep it. Not everyone wants to be poked with needles. Not everybody wants toxin in their body, right? Ah. Um, so chemical peels, microneedling and laser treatments are are all you know to some extent biostimulating procedures um and what i mean by that is that they stimulate our own natural collagen production and increase the turnover of our skin so we're seeing that fresh new youthful vibrant skin and collagen does a lot of things for us but part of what it does is gives us that kind of unquantifiable glow factor right that that young people have that babies and children and people under 25 have that glow factor, and that's collagen.
1: So so I'm trying to identify, what is it about the skin? Somebody says, I'm just, maybe they'll just say, gee, I'm looking old. Mm -hmm. Give me me a name, give me a description of skin that would be, let's say, improved or made youthful by one of these things. What are the features of the skin? Like, as I'm getting older, I'm seeing Mm -hmm. what we call, I'm seeing crepey on Mm -hmm. various uh, ads on TV. I said, "Oh, I, I can kind of understand what crepey means." Yeah. What, what would you just? Des- how would you describe a skin change that you can alter?
0: Sure. Uh, well, it depends on on the concern. So, crepiness is, is one thing. That's something that would be best approached by microneedling or radiofrequency microneedling. Those are both, you know, that's going to use radio. anything that's gonna be biostimulating is gonna be some version of a controlled injury.
1: Uh, and so what we're
0: doing is stimulating a remodeling process that, that takes peri- place over a period of, of weeks or months. And I liken it to what we're trying to do for our muscles with strength and resistance training. We wanna cause that micro injury. to sure. so Grow back bigger and stronger. Right,
1: Micro injury is yeah. our goal, in fact. Yeah,
0: so micro-needling is going to use a, me- a controlled mechanical injury. A chemical peel is going to use a controlled chemical injury. And laser devices are going to use light energy to create that controlled injury that helps stimulate that remodeling process. And there's some overlap between all of those modalities. So it can help with crepiness, it can help with elasticity, it can help with fine lines. Um, in terms of pigment, there, you know. Um, hyperpigmentation from scarring uh, can be addressed by microneedling but microneedling isn't really going to address solar pigment in the way that a laser can target brown lesions or a chemical peel can target brown lesions bring them to the surface so when you say when you ask what what are the factors yeah i'd say crepiness solar damage um is if, that know, different
1: that from actinic keratoses is that what you're talking about?
0: It's different from spots? that. yeah it's it's different it's different from the AKs or SKs but they and that and that's again something that needs to be referred to a dermatologist and in fact okay. before um, if someone has anything um any you know facial lesion or wherever the body surface area is that they're wanting to address with laser that I think needs if they have not had a, the, yeah. a, a dermatologist visit within twelve to eighteen months. I will have them go do a head to toe with their dermatologist um, because the last thing I want to do is use a laser to remove some lesion that clearly needed to have uh, a shave biopsy and right. analysis. So, yeah, not,
1: tr- not treating a cancer. So, exactly, you can do these controlled healing things. Now, I have seen, uh, you know, botched, you know, these 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 cases where. Doctor says, hey, I'm gonna branch into facial aesthetics. I'm gonna get this laser. And they laser someone's face and it ends up being horrible scars. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what they were doing, um, done inappropriately too Mm -hmm. deep or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So you need to know how to give just enough micro injury, don't you?
0: Right, and lasers, there's a whole world of lasers too. Um, Basically different wavelengths of light penetrate to different depths in the dermis. And those have different clinical targets. And we can also apply filters to, to that light source. Um, and there, there's a whole spectrum of laser treatment. And some of them, yes, are very, very intense. And you have to exercise caution. And then there, there are specific you know, factors that, that are patient specific. Um, you, you can significantly injure somebody with a laser if you don't have proper history on them, if the settings are not correct for their skin pigment um, you know, or even something as simple as um, has someone used sunless tanner in the last couple of weeks? Is that a factor? Do they have that pigment overlying uh, on their epidermis? Because that can affect the penetration depth of that oh and you can cause injury and burn. Yeah. So it's very important to be 100% honest with your aesthetic provider about what medications you're taking internally, what you're using topically, what your chemical and UV exposure has been.
1: Now, I assume African-Americans, Asians, people with different genetics, different amounts of me- melanin in their skin would respond very differently to the different wavelengths of light.
0: All of those these things lasers. need to be taken into account, yes. you
1: got to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, did you say in your clinic that you have someone, a tech or a, an extender or somebody that works with you that does more of that you, you said you do more of the injection mm-hmm. stuff. You're the the yo I'll say the, the Jedi knight there. But <laughs> tell me about this this person that does the other does the lasers or the or the peels or something? Tell me about that person's sure. role and their training.
0: So Lumia has a licensed esthetician, and she's also a a certified laser technician. Ah. Her name is Stephanie Lee. Actually, she grew up here in Columbia, ah. um, and she uh, what, had lived lived in other cities for i think about 10 years or so for her husband's career and around the time i was launching lumia she returned and we had a mutual contact and so that's how we kind of connected um stephanie has a lot of experience with lasers in fact the the facility that she was working in in denver her last position before she returned to columbia Ah. um, she was primarily focused on lasers she was working for a physician that had a whole, like a full complement of laser services. So she had a lot of very laser-specific experience. Um, and so Stephanie came on board before I was at a point where I was ready to purchase a laser device. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, I guess we start we started doing that last summer, which is not the best time to launch a laser, <laughs> ah. but that's when I was ready to buy one. But um you know, laser. You do need to be very careful about your sun exposure when you're undergoing laser treatment. So uh, fall and winter are usually better. Oh, I see what you're saying. Those, you want yeah.
1: to get the treatment, and not like when I yeah. uh, do surgery and we have heat cuts that are healing. We don't want them to be exposed to the sun for almost a yeah. year.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. As they get dark.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: So Stephanie, would she you be supervising her technically?
0: Yes. Yes. She's covered by my business. My you know my malpractice, my insurance, all those kind of things. Ultimately, that that falls to me as the owner of the business, the owner of the device. Um, but Stephanie's qualifications are actually more uh, more than what is required in the state of Missouri. I think it's interesting. You know, laws for medicine and nursing vary tremendously um, state to state, right? Yeah, different so, worlds. Yeah, and so some in some ways Missouri is has a very conservative approach to you know certain laws. I find the laws here in laser actually pretty pretty loose. lax. Yeah. Right, pretty right. loose. Yeah. And to your point, I mean if yes, you you don't necessarily have to have that that safety involved in it. So the way I usually explain to my clients is I have a lot of book knowledge on laser. But Stephanie has more practical experience because she's been administering those treatments for 10 years. Mm. So I I know what's safe and what's right, and I know what the appropriate wavelength is for this or that. But in the same way that I can look at your musculature and say, this is how many units of neurotoxin I think you need to achieve this result, or this is how many milliliters of dermal filler I think will achieve this result. I have mm. that practical sense for it. Uh, she has, in my opinion, a better ability to look at somebody's skin, what their targeted goal is, and be able to say this is how many treatments I think will it will take. This is how much time with the laser. This is, you know, what we think we can have and it is an expected outcome and give people the most realistic idea of what's achievable.
1: Interesting. So, in Missouri, while we're on this subject, mm-hmm. in Missouri, do you have to work with a physician or anything, or supervisor? Yeah. Tell me about that.
0: So, in Missouri, as an advanced practice nurse, I need to have a collaborating agreement with a physician. And so, my collaborating physician is uh, Dr. Michael Williams, and he and I have worked together for many years, um, and I have provided anesthesia for his patients. And so... Um, is he when, a
1: surgeon or an a
0: He's a gastroenterologist. Okay. Yeah. And so um, he is very. I've actually been very, very impressed with his due diligence and his interest in aesthetics because that's not part of his clinical expertise. But he um, has been very diligent and very thoughtful about making sure that you know he and I are on the same page and that this makes you know it makes sense. But in the same way that when I provide, um, and you you mentioned earlier of uh, CRNAs working in tandem with physician anesthesiologists, and that is true in some care settings. Um, but CRNAs like myself are are actually um, qualified and licensed in all fifty states to work independent of a physician anesthesiologist. Now, in some states they have full full practice authority, wherein the physician they're working with has no involvement in their in their anesthesia, uh, even from a from a legal standpoint. Say, um, but in Missouri this is this is a a, site, a state that requires supervision. So. For example, when I administer um, anesthesia in, a, in an environment where there's not a physician anesthesiologist, the physician that I'm working with, whether it's a surgeon or-, or know, a reproductive like endocrinologist, yes. Yes. yes or yeah, re- technically yes. So the know, doctor. You know this, right? So you, yeah. you do this with your CRNAs, yeah. I'm sure. You sign off on, on their record. And so what you're doing there is you're signing off that that person is safe, qualified, credentialed and licensed to do what they're doing you're not assuming responsibility from right. for their anesthetic and so that's kind of what we're doing with aesthetics it's it's very similar in that way um, what so I have a uh, my collaborative practice agreement establishes that professional relationship um, and it also includes a whole you know set of policies and procedures and the medications that I am authorized to administer to to my patients and yeah. under what circumstance and things like that. And so he and I have an agreement on basically that. And if anything falls outside of, you know, that norm, which doesn't, re- doesn't really happen, um, because that's kind of how I keep things, I've, I'm not interested in, in operating outside that norm, um, then that would be something that we, we would address on a case-by-case case basis. But Dr. Williams' um, role is to... Uh, check off on about a certain percentage of my charts monthly just to make sure everything looks good um, and to you know sign off on my policies and procedures and generally attest to the public that I am safe and qualified to do what I do. Yeah,
1: um, I think that should be very very reassuring for your clients, our patients, yeah. that we work with in, in standards and best practices, and yes. supervisions, checks and balances, licensure. Right. These are very safe very well regulated right and there's a mutual respect
0: between between professionals yeah
1: fantastic so to finish this out i believe there's other few things you do for the face to add to give it that final touch that cherry on top do you work on (laughs) lashes and eyebrows too
0: so i i do not personally but stephanie our licensed esthetician does
1: um what can you do for those so
0: we should we there are a few things my my personal favorite is um, is the lash limit uh, lash lift intent which I'm, I'm I put on some mascara for your show but I don't when I when my lashes are tinted and lifted I don't even wear mascara and I don't need it which I love.
1: Well, what is we said tinted tent. not tinted but tinted you said. so. Oh, tinted tint. oh, you're saying tint.
0: Tint. Mm-hmm. Then,
1: T-I-N-T, not yes. T-E-N-T. Oh, tinting. yeah, that's a
0: good point. There is a there is an injection technique Yeah, I thought tinting, you were but that's tinting, not okay.
1: okay. Me. You're tinting, okay.
0: Yes, T-I-N-T. Okay. Um, and so basically it's just using pigmented dye to enhance the appearance of brows and lashes. So the, rather than putting on mascara or eyebrow pencil on a daily basis, you just wake up ready to go. And I, I love that. <laughs> now, is that, that
1: the, are you talking about actually um, tattooing?
0: No, that's called microblading or tattooing. We do not do that. Um, so what we're doing is using a a pigment and then choose, if you so choose, you can use a chemical process to do a a lash lift or a brow lamination, which is simplistically a perm for your brows or lashes, um, to keep them in place. Because if you have strong brows, like I do, um, that comes with usually some texture in the hair. And so, you know, that's part of my beauty routine, really combing my eyebrows and, so if they're laminated, I, it just takes out a step for me. Um, but Stephanie also does a beautiful job with elastic extensions and does a really, really nice, natural kind of look. So I feel like that kind of falls into my aesthetic preference of keeping keeping things fresh and natural, building that confidence, keeping things simple. You don't need to wear a ton. Of, and that's, that's the beauty of great skincare. You don't need to spend a lot of time or money and effort putting on a lot, you know, full face of makeup every day if you don't want to.
1: Right, right. It is somewhat of a burden. Mm-hmm. It can be a big burden. Now, what's the medicine you could put topically on to make your eye your eyelashes grow?
0: There, there are a, a few. There are quite a few varieties of that. Most of them fall into the prostaglandin category, and okay. it stimulates the hair follicle. It requires daily application. Um, that is a product that we resell. The product that we have is called Babe Lash. It's very. I feel like it's very economical and has good results. Some of those lash serums can get. Banana is expensive. Okay, uh, but that encourages it basically it it keeps Your hair in the follicle for a longer period of time. So it'll okay. grow longer before it sheds mm-hmm.
1: Now is there anything you can do for general health to give you that 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 je ne sais quoi below <laughs> are there's various ways to give vitamins or nutrients to do like that final that final sure. topper there what else can you sure. do or do you uh, offer i do
0: some iv hydration and vitamin injection um mostly what i do is you know I, like i said i mostly spend my time on on injectables but as an anesthesia provider it's very much in my wheelhouse to mix up a cocktail that'll help somebody feel better
1: yeah that's your so. job as an anesthetist mm-hmm. and you still do anesthesia too right I do. all yeah. right so you cocktails all day yeah
0: yeah your magic <laughs> potions mm-hmm. yeah so, there, and there are vitamins and, and things like that that we can deliver intravenously that, that do help the appearance of skin and hair. And we're all pretty chronically dehydrated. And but there's a lot of data for skin. this. Yes.
1: This isn't just some homeopathic or right. I don't want to put anybody down. Let's say alternative care that might not have any sure. evidence. So, these are treatments that actually have some evidence mm-hmm. of benefit. Yes. I didn't know that. <laughs>
0: Um, they, you know, it's there, I would say that when it comes to aesthetics, there, there is, and as a clinician, this does bother me, which is why there are a lot of aesthetic treatments that I don't offer because I do think it kind of falls into the like voodoo category. Yeah. There's a paucity of clinical evidence for aesthetic care, primarily because these are cash-based services. So there's no federal grant funding, you know, the NIH is not interested in studying what is the ideal you know dose of whatever right. There, there's a lot of speculation it's a lot of anecdotal it's a lot you know um, but there there are you know we do know that when when you're hydrated you feel better and you look better okay when you are getting good nutrition you feel better and you look better oh yeah some people are not getting good nutrition and hydration through their oral intake
1: right. and
0: so we can make up those deficits through an intravenous route and we can increase our bioavailability of these substances because we're bypassing the GI tract. So there's clinical evidence for that. And it's also, it helps people feel better quickly. So sometimes people will come to see me if they've had a viral illness last week and they just are having trouble getting back up to snuff. Mm. Um, And they just, you know, they just want to feel better Um, or they're struggling with headaches and, you know, I can do, I don't, I don't use any controlled substances in my clinic, but you know I will give people some tordol, Um and we can do some B vitamins. That's, that's a fancy. That's a fancy it.
1: aspirin. I fancy. Yes. But you can hang a bag. You can start an IV, and you've got various bags of nutrients. Mm-hmm. That sounds very safe, very quick. Um, is that very expensive?
0: Um. Not. Not tremendously. Um, I use my IV hydration, depending on ingredients, is somewhere between 125 and, and 175, and sure. that's no small chunk of change. Right. But it's comparable to an urgent care or an ER visit.
1: Oh my God, an ER visit—you can't get a hangnails so, in an ER for right. under five thousand right. dollars, Austin.
0: Right. So you know, if you if you are recovering from a GI bug and you have four children at home, and that constitutes a natural disaster in my book. I right. And and so if you can feel better for a hundred. Twenty-five dollars with some, you know, B vitamins and some, you know, a liter of LR and some Zofran. It's worth it because you in 30 can do minutes, that. You can feel like a whole new person. Mm-hmm.
1: That, I, I didn't <laughs> know that about mm-hmm. your practice, and that's a really good thing to know about viral illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I'm thinking, hey, hangovers for some people, but do whatever. A lot of that. I, you can. You can <laughs> if you need it, you've got yeah. an important meeting. You've got to feel good.
0: Mm-hmm. And travel as well. I have a lot of people that are here for, you know, they're in and out and maybe they're just here for a business or whatever. A lot of people who travel a lot for work, you know, um, when I'm traveling, air travel, even if I consume no caffeine and no alcohol, I am yeah. dry as a bone after a day in the airport. Yeah. And so a lot of, in, you know, in larger cities, bigger urban areas, um, it, IV hydration is pretty common, so huh. I do have a lot of people look me up just because they know they know they'll benefit from getting a bag today because they've got three days days of air travel ahead of them.
1: Does anybody do this in the big airport? Seems like they should be. They've got the I'm massage kind of chairs and don't. the. You've got the various you know ways to. Uh, <laughs> to recharge you got the lounges
0: a, that's a good point i mean i got stuck in an airport for like nine hours last week and i i certainly could have used a bag of fluid but
1: interesting yeah. well there's a new business model yeah i wouldn't austin's have to and gills that airport. recharge yeah we'll open one up in chicago O'Hare. yeah yeah
0: that
1: could be fun <laughs> that would be fun so are there any other things that you do in your spa that we've not covered yet i
0: think Pretty much covered it. Um, we've I think we've touched on on pretty much everything, but I think the most important thing that I do is just help people feel better about themselves and and what they're presenting to the world so they can feel good walking in their own skin.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I have learned so much from <laughs> pre glabellar to Cupid line to mm-hmm. nasio label to vectors. Mm-hmm. I found this very informative, Austin. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And what a pleasure to talk to you today.
0: Likewise. Thank you so much for having me.